Hi, welcome to Ask a Pastor. Today I'm joined by Emily D'Angelo. Welcome, Emily. Thank you. Uh, Emily serves as part of our adult ministry team at our Wexford campus, works with women's ministry and adults across the board. Uh, great to have her with us today. And as always, if you have questions, please feel free to send them to askapastor at orchardhillchurch.com. We'll be happy to address those in a coming episode. Uh, so today we have a couple of questions, Emily, that are a little longer in the text that have been sent in but are, are really questions that address how do you, in one case, uh, um, interact as a Christian in culture, and in another case, addresses how do you as a Christian interact with people who don't share your Christian views that you want to influence their kids. So let me start with this. Uh, how can my husband and I be adult influences in the lives of children? So not necessarily their children's children, just children in general, mm -hmm. who may or may not be being raised in Christian homes without offending the parents or overstepping our bounds. In other words, as someone who is involved in youth ministry and has kept in touch with some of the girls I used to teach, I want to still be able to love, guide, and counsel them in their lives as they get older. However, my views will go against their parents. We also have a nephew whom we love dearly, but is being raised in the non-Christian home. He's very young, but as he gets older, what if he asks us questions about our faith? Or what if our circumstance arises, a circumstance arises where I am able to share the gospel with him? Do my husband and I need to keep these conversations with uh, kids away from our faith and leave it up to the parents, or is it okay to share what we believe? So if somebody came to you with that question, how would you um, interact with them, or what direction would you point them? Well, I would affirm for them that because they're asking this question, they have a heart for sharing God's love with people mm -hmm. and that they have people in their lives who don't know him. And that is a good thing. We studied biblical hospitality this summer and we tried to open our eyes to opportunities to share him in our home with other people and in our community. And um, it gives opportunity for that. And so I was thinking about, you know, this this idea that when we come into faith in Christ, we take on his image, we are his image bearers. And we can't help but share him in all that we do because of that, mm -hmm. whether it's in our actions and how we love others or in the words that we say. And there comes a time when um, we do speak the words of truth, especially in our home context. And I feel like the, the asker of this question was once in ministry. And so I would guess that the people that, the, the children that she influenced in that season of life, their parents were fully aware of her role in the church and maybe her mission in life was to share Christ and still is. It, mm -hmm. It's obvious that it still is. And so in some ways, as a person who works in the church, it's easier because people make an assumption that that is my passion mm -hmm. and my goal. So I would challenge people who work outside of the church, who have um, other children in their home or, you know, at their kid's soccer mm -hmm. game, that they too have that same kind of influence. Mm -hmm. And um, to share, I think we are called to share our faith I think Christ made that clear. The Great Commission is to mm -hmm. go out and, and share the truth of, of who he is and what he's done for us with others. I was thinking about um, a neighbor kid in our, in our neighborhood who spends a lot of time in our house. And we don't know his parents. So we don't really know their, their mm -hmm. faith perspective. But he spends a lot of time with us so much that he sees us praying at mealtimes. He hears the conversations around our table. He hears the things that we say to our own children, and we instruct mm -hmm. them often with, with God's word and with godly counsel. 
And I have to believe that he maybe takes some of that information back to his parents. And if they ever come to the point where they say, well, I don't really want you hanging out at the D'Angelo's house, then we would respect that. Mm -hmm. But it seems to me that he keeps coming back right. for, a re for a reason, for friendship with our son or for a glimpse of a family who may be like his or unlike his. Mm -hmm. And I've yet to meet um, parents who resist a godly influence in their kids' mm -hmm. lives. You know, yeah. I just haven't, haven't met that, whether they're people of faith or not. They, they want good influence yeah. in their children's lives. We hosted teenagers for 10 years in Carlisle, and we made it clear when these girls were coming to live in our home that we were a, fa a Christian family and that we prayed mm -hmm. at meals, we attended church on the weekends, we talked about God and the Bible. Mm -hmm. And some of those girls came from Christian family, some had never experienced mm -hmm. a church experience or yeah. experienced God in any way. And I will say 100% of those parents have told us years later, thank you for the influence you had yeah. on our kids. Yeah, well being a good influence is never unappreciated. Right. And and exposing somebody to uh, uh, the possibility of faith or to God, unless the family is absolutely hostile to it, mm -hmm. uh, um, in which case they should probably be the ones that are actively saying, I don't want you around anybody who has any of these views, mm -hmm. um, which is a reasonable thing, um, is a good thing. I think where it sometimes gets tricky is, is when you know that that's not somebody's preference and you're actively working at it. And there, there's a couple things that are intention from where I sit. One is you brought up the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 16 through 20, go into all the world and make disciples. Or mm -hmm. As you're going into the world might be an even better translation, make disciples. In other words, wherever you are, you don't have mm -hmm. to go somewhere special to do it. Just do it as in you're on the soccer field, you're around dinner. Uh, mm -hmm. That should, should be what a Christian life is at least in part about. And then on the other hand, is this idea that runs through scripture that I think is, is also equally clear, and that is that God doesn't need us to achieve his work, hmm. that God is sovereign over the process of how people come to faith. Mm -hmm. And I think those two things need to be held together because if you end up going so far into sovereignty, uh, what you can do is you can say, well, I don't need to say anything to anybody because mm -hmm. it's God's deal. God doesn't need me. Mm -hmm. uh, on the other hand, if you get too far into I'm commanded to do this, then you are never able to step back and say, you know, this is God's thing. Mm -hmm. I, I'm called to be a credible witness, but in this instance, here's as far as this seems to be appropriate right now for the family, for the context, for the receptivity mm -hmm. of, of the message. And, and I think if, if you end up emphasizing one to the exclusion of the other, that's where then we end up um, feeling too much responsibility and not letting the responsibility sit with God or so much um, that it's God's deal that we don't feel like we still have the responsibility. And, and, and it seems like in this instance, at least, there's a little bit of that at play of being able to say, I feel responsible to care for and speak into people's lives that I have the opportunity to speak into, mm -hmm. but at the same time need to be able to step back and say, but this really is God's deal and I don't need to, to do all of what God wants to have achieved. I, what is it in First Corinthians where I think it's Paul says, you know, one waters, one plants, one reaps. Mm -hmm. uh, the idea being that, that your job may not be to get somebody all the way to the point of faith. It may be simply to plant a seed and let God 
take mm -hmm. it at a, at a different time. That's right. And I also think that we earn respect from other adults. If a conversation comes up with a child that goes to a place of faith and even possible a child, possibly a child coming to faith in our presence, mm -hmm. we owe it to the parents to talk to them about it, mm -hmm. be forthright. I remember I was with my nephew when he came to faith. And the very first, right after he prayed and, and accepted God as his Lord and Savior, I called his dad right away mm -hmm. and said, this amazing thing happened and I want you to be a part of it because it, I don't want to steal that opportunity That's from right. anyone and I want to respect the parents' involvement in that and right. encourage the, their, their involvement in that. Yeah. I think that's really important. Well, and, and to put yourself in somebody else's shoes, mm -hmm. you wouldn't want somebody to proselytize your child right. to a worldview that you didn't share. Right. Um, I, when Faith and I lived in Michigan, we moved into a house that we had built um, and the next door neighbors were um, people of faith and they went to a little Baptist church and their kids invited our kids to go to VBS, their VBS. And we're mm -hmm. like, ah, sure, you know, what, what could go wrong at a VBS? <laughs> and, and we found out that one of the first nights there, this church was so um, passionate about baptism mm. that my oldest son was almost baptized in this little church's VBS because they said, if you believe and, you know, it's God's command, you should be baptized. Now, I don't necessarily disagree with any of it, but I was completely offended that my neighbors would have tried to have my son be baptized without us being part of it Present. or without consulting us. Sure. And so when I say put yourself in somebody else's shoes, even that kind of a conversation. And for us, it was the end of our kids going with them to church. It was like, hey, you're not going to go to their church uh, because right. we don't we don't think that that's an appropriate um way to 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 engage somebody else's children right and if people of shared faith feel this way then right. people that have very different views about faith yeah. certainly feel that way absolutely so, so i think your wisdom point. to say talk to the parents like if they had come to us and said hey by the way you know we do this baptism thing where we try to get every kid baptized <laughs> um and we won't push your kid or something i probably probably would have been a whole different experience mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But when I heard about it later and my son didn't do it and we had a chance of being part of his baptism years later, um, it, it was different. So, mm -hmm. so, so there are those social cues that I think are important. Mm -hmm. so, so speaking of, of social issues, here's a question. Uh, uh, this one again starts with my husband and I. Uh, mm -hmm. My husband mm -hmm. and I sometimes struggle with whether or not it's okay to watch certain shows or movies that may have sexual content. As an example... Uh, but that we still find funny. We are afraid that if we eliminate all unbiblical entertainment, we will no longer be able to relate to our relatives and friends who aren't Christians. We don't want to live in a Christian bu bubble and get pushed away by the very people we're hoping to influence. There are definitely some shows and movies that we do feel are too crude and we choose not to watch them, but some are just not that bad and we are still able to appreciate them for the quality of the filming, the humor, the storyline, etc. Is that okay? I've heard others ask similar questions about music. Can you like a song for the beat and not what the song is actually about? How do we draw the line between being confusing to non-Christians and being so indifferent, so different that we alienate ourselves? Mm -hmm. so, uh, so again, how would you interact with that question? Okay, so I think I would ask a series of questions of that person and kind of see what their view is I, on 
separating secular from the sacred and things like that because I would want to see where their perspective is. A lot of people compartmentalize the categories. You know, they say, well, this is a good book because it's Christian. This is not a good Mm -hmm. book because it's not Christian. And I might challenge them to think that there's, you know, no secular atom in the universe, that there's, you know, all things were made by God, created by God for his glory. He's the creator, and he created us to create. So in that sense, pretty much anything is available for us to find the sacred in it. However, I would caution people to think about, you know, once we take in an image, we cannot, um, it's, it's with us, right? We consume something and it's going to be with us. So Paul talks about this tension that everything's permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. So while I would say that we don't, as a family, tend to forbid watching certain things we make it a policy as a family if you're interested in watching something let's watch it together or give us time as your parents because we care about you and care about the images coming into your brain to watch it before you or to read some articles about this series or this movie so that we can decide together if this is the most beneficial Mm -hmm. for us to, mm-hmm. to view together. I love what Andy Crouch says in the TechWise family. He, he says a lot of really great stuff in that book, but one thing that stands out to me is he challenges families to cultivate a culture in your family that's more about creating than consuming. Mm. And when we do that, we create f- memories together. We play games together. We create music and, and stories together. And that life outside of the screen is, more, is a lot more abundant and fun. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of been our family way. We don't watch a whole lot together. We create together. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really been um, life-giving to us and life-sustaining to us. But there comes a time when you just want to chill out on a Friday night and watch a movie, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like the asker of this question is, what, what do we watch, mm-hmm. right? And I I would challenge this person to think about what's going to be most beneficial, but don't shy away from what you might think has um, some difficult content in it. Mm -hmm. If your family members can handle the visual images, maybe some things are worth watching to spur a conversation, a hard conversation Mm -hmm. in the family that Mm -hmm. you need to have. Um, For example, we watched a, a movie about two years ago as our youngest was going into middle school. Our oldest was maybe beyond the content needed Mm -hmm. of this movie, but we watched it as a family, and there was a scene that was really uncomfortable for all of us. Mm -hmm. But we were so thankful for that opportunity to talk to our kids about that topic, that subject, because we'd rather talk about it as a family than them, the the, um, character in the movie Googles information Mm -hmm. to find out what this, this topic was. We would rather them talk to us than Google. And so we have watched some things that maybe other Christian parents would say, oh, I'm not sure about that. Mm -hmm. But it has allowed our family to have conversations that we've needed to have. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's, uh, there's a couple things you said that are significant. One is, I'm not sure that there's a universal standard that can be applied to all people of faith. And some people are uncomfortable with that because they say, well, if it's right, it's right. If it's wrong, it's wrong. Mm -hmm. Should be all across the board. Well, yes and no. Um, And and the reason I say that is, is you said, you know, we probably have watched some things some other people wouldn't be comfortable with. Um, There is a discernment piece here. And Mm -hmm. there's a, there's an understanding your family, your, your own maturity, um, all those kinds of things. And, and just as an evidence, you would allow or 
participate with older kids, even adult age kids, watching something different than a six-year-old, mm -hmm. than a 12-year-old, mm -hmm. than maybe even a 16-year-old. And so there, there's, as people mature, um, and I'm not thinking even just of sexual content, just content in general, mm -hmm. you say, okay, this is now appropriate. Um, but certainly when your kids are little, there's, you're a little more concerned about exactly right. what they take in. Not that you aren't concerned when they age, but they hit a certain age where they're going to consume what they're going to consume. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so, you know, saying, Hey, I'll watch with you. I'll be part of this is, is a different conversation. Um, and, and so I think there's something, um, to, to saying, I don't have to universalize, but I think where we get in trouble is when we stop asking the question any longer. Mm -hmm. Is this an appropriate thing to watch? Right. Because what we can do is in time, we can just get so deadened to the question that we don't even realize how far maybe we've gone with something mm -hmm. um, until after we're, we're in it. And then, you know, you're halfway through a series and you're like, well, I didn't realize it would be this, but I want to see how the story ends. Mm -hmm. And the next thing you know, you're, you're watching something that maybe you wouldn't um, choose if you really asked the question. Right. And so I think you want to still ask the question, understand that, that you don't have to abide by some arbitrary should of somebody else, but at the same time, say there there's there, there's something to saying i'm not going to take in stuff that is um not helpful to my spiritual life right um the one other flip side that i would say is sometimes there are there are spiritual themes that are deeply woven into even unintentionally mm -hmm. into art because art is telling stories and ultimately mm -hmm. it points to the story of our, of our Lord. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and, and again, I'm not saying that that justifies watching something that's, uh, that, that's truly um, not beneficial, but, but there can be those stories that we actually um, help us from an artistic standpoint um, connect to the grander narratives and themes mm -hmm. Uh, that are there. Uh, music's another example. I don't, um, like even the, the phrase unbiblical entertainment, I'm not sure mm -hmm. is a great phrase because mm -hmm. art is art mm -hmm. and, and music is music. And sometimes listening to something that doesn't share your worldview might actually help you um, understand the plight again or feel something mm -hmm. that actually pushes you to, to faith rather than away from faith. Um, because you hear it and you say, wow, that is a worldview that exists, but I actually choose this worldview uh, instead. And so sometimes even something like that isn't a negative mm -hmm. at all. Um, now, should we be concerned about some things? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things that, um, well, I'll, I'll leave it there. What, what else would you say you on that? One of the things you said that, that caused me to remember a conversation I had yesterday with someone about how as parents, we, we do discern, we pray, and we seek advice of others mm -hmm. on these issues. And sometimes we even take time to watch the first mm -hmm. two or three episodes and say, okay, and release our kids to watch. And there's danger in that because a lot of times the garbage doesn't show up till mm -hmm. mid, midway through the series or the last episode of the series and so just to be aware of that as parents because I think we've made that mistake before so mm -hmm. if people can benefit from our mistakes I share that you know watch the entire series if, if your child is interested um, if you have the time to do that or watch with them 
But also another thing about, you know, just finding the, the story of God in art and mm-hmm. movies. Recently, our family had read um, A Wrinkle in Time, so we decided mm. to watch the movie. And it's, it's old now. It's a couple years old now, but we decided to watch it. And there was some controversy among some Christians about this movie because it's, it um, presents a real... Uh, maybe new age view of mm-hmm. God, the Godhead, the Trinity, as three matriarchal figures, mm-hmm. right? Well, it gave our family an opportunity to talk about theological things like the Trinity, mm-hmm. God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It gave us an opportunity to talk about these realms, that there truly is a spiritual realm and mm-hmm. a physical realm, and to be aware of that. And we, out of that converse, out of that movie night, we had about a, an hour and a half conversation following that, yeah. which was really rich and some full of some tension because yeah. our teenager wanted to push back on, you're turning everything into an opportunity to talk about your faith. I said, well, we just want you to see yeah what we see and it was it was good it was a hard conversation but it was good well and i think that's wonderful parenting in the sense of you're taking a moment and saying what did we just see how does this what do you really think about it what is it promoting mm-hmm. um is that your view um what does the bible say those mm-hmm. are fantastic questions at the end of a movie mm-hmm. that too often what we do is we just get up and walk away <laughs> And, le- and leave the moment. And, mm-hmm. and so even something that, that might seem objectionable can lead to wonderful conversations if you'll look for that opportunity and say, okay, what did you think of how that character handled that? Mm-hmm. Um, was that a good choice? Was that a bad choice? What would you have done? Why would you have done it? What does God say? And, and if we'll learn to ask those questions, um, you probably have better inductive Bible study in those moments than saying, let's all sit around and have a quote unquote Bible study. Right. Um, and again, I'm not saying you use objectionable content to get there. There's still things that probably you should say, ah, this isn't something we want to have in our home. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly as your kids age, those conversations are, are really rich if, if you can have them. So, That's right. So. I think Joel and Jenna covered a little bit of this in episode 56 of Ask a Pastor. Mm, good. So if people want more insight from two more of the people on our staff, they can That's, go listen to that one. That's great. Well, great. Thank you, Emily. And again, if you have questions, please send them along to askapastor@orchardhillchurch.com. We'll be happy to address them in a coming episode. <laughs>